Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Our next guest, an author, real estate mogul, entertainer. Every day she's hustling, baby. You know her from the hit series Shark Tank. It's a pleasure to talk a little business with the lovely Barbara Corcoran. How are you, Barb? I love it. People haven't called me lovely in years. I like that word. I like it a lot, too, and she's awfully pretty, too. Yeah, you are. You you are one hot mama, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you could be a sugar mama as well. You're stacked with cash, so I love you, babe. Ooh, I'm available, but I'll have to talk to my husband first. All right. Well, hey, this sounds interesting. I love the way this is getting started. Would you say, Barbara, that you're more of an entrepreneur or an entertainer? Because as I watch you, it seems like you just entertain is what you do, and then it turns into money. You know, we're in the entertainment business. In Shark Tank, we need to get viewership. We need to keep people coming back. So that's pure entertainment. But if I wasn't genuinely myself on that show, uh, it wouldn't be entertaining. I mean, all of us are acting ourselves. We're not actors, actresses. You know, we're just doing what we do well, invest in businesses, and we know a lot about business. So, no, I would say that none of it would work in the entertainment if I wasn't sincerely an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur first, then uh, you entertain. Our guest, Barbara Corcoran, of course, one of the sharks, and she's up to something new. I like to wear cargo pants, by the way, so I have a lot of pockets. I'm trying to get Barbara (laughs) in my pocket. What is this new program that you have and new thing that you're involved with? Barbara in your pocket. Tell us more. It's a platform that I made that does exactly what I've been doing for the last five years, which is getting entrepreneurs to be successful. I'm great at it. it. You know, you you have your gifts in life. I don't have many, but this is a big one I have. I know how to give no bullshit advice, and I know when to give it, when to tell people like it is, when to be soft peddling just a little bit for ego. But I do deep dives into business topics. We have community roundtables because I have a lot of entrepreneurs all reaching for the same goals to be somebody. And we have chat rooms. We have live Q and A's where I dive deep into your business, whatever is holding it back. Basically, well, I should have just said it shorter. What I do is I give the entrepreneur whatever they need to get ahead. I'm good at it. I have good instincts on this. Well, I want to speak on behalf of the first-time home buyers out there. Luckily, I got in when the interest rates were low and the prices weren't so high. And I keep hearing people. You dirty dog, you. People hate you. Don't tell your friends that. I know. It's two, I'm at 2.65. So it's like, yeah, how are you ever going ah, to beat that? Even I hate you. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got in at the rock bottom. But I'm feeling so bad for these new homeowners and friends of mine that are like, wow, and envious of me, although the rates are coming down. But I hear people like yourself saying, Real estate's just going to keep going up. How can it keep going up? What's going to happen to that first-time home buyer out there if that's the case? Well, the first-time home buyer is locked out of the market. They're out shopping for houses, and there's no houses around. You know why? Because the people like you who don't want to give up your low interest rate move on to something better or bigger or a different town. You're, you are in such a good position that you're not thinking, boy, let me get another house at a higher interest rate. So you're locked up. 
And that's exactly what's wrong with the market. I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, everybody envies you, I'm sure, when you mention this. But the problem with the market is there's not enough housing, not enough choices. So nobody's really getting a house, and that's not going to change. Because now that interest rates are down, a lot more buyers are coming into the market, but we still have the same old problem. The seller doesn't want to sell their home. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. I've heard you say that you got to hire a great broker. What do you look for? when you're going after that great broker that might be able to work you a deal where you can actually win in this market? Not a standard sales pitch of what they're going to do for you. You want to really find a hustler. You know, like kind of like an, I don't want to say that. Well, I will say like an animal, maybe dressed up pretty. <laughs> but you need someone who's super aggressive, who's going to go after something. And you know when you'll know you have an animal? If you have a broker where you're constantly losing the offers, constantly losing the offers and going back again, 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 and saying no thing, that's not the right broker. Brokers find a way. They hustle. They work their way in. They think of a different pitch. They they get you up in price. They knock down the seller. They're, they're hustlers by nature. They're like great entrepreneurs, honestly. And I have a lot of my platform barber in my pocket. And they don't ask me, how do I make this particular deal? But they want to know how to push their business ahead. And I'm telling you, if they're not aggressive, it just doesn't happen. You want to be with an aggressive broker. That's probably a better way to do it. Aggressive versus me calling them an animal, right? Sounds a little bit better. I've heard you say you hire on attitude. Would you say, you know, hire somebody that has a little swagger, has a little attitude? It's an attitude market. You know, nobody has an advantage, gets an in on the house over somebody else. But somebody knows how to finesse. And that is attitude. It's a belief that you're going to get it somehow. You're going to do it somehow. And that kind of belief is essential in this market. You just don't want to be teaching someone real estate by them experimenting on your time. And you're constantly looking at something again and again. It doesn't pay. You've said recently that you think chat GPT AI is going to change real estate. How is that? It's going to change it because you don't have to do the writing you used to do. You could reach more people. You could, you could sound smarter. Okay, and everybody's using it to redo their profiles, to write their property listings, and it takes the workload off. But unfortunately, that's just a help. Nothing is better than a vital real estate market where you have houses to sell in. So it helps, but what really helps, so what would help is if you would move out of your house, Gentry, and let a nice person buy it who's dying to get a starter home or middle home or whatever you're in. Come on, a luxury home, whatever. Just move it along so we get a real estate market back. Well, if somebody wants to overpay, I'll be happy to sell this place for 25% above what uh, you know they're saying it's worth. So come on down. It's well, available. What? You bought it, what, two years ago, Gentry? I bought it in 2020. Everybody was panicking in the pandemic, and I found a fixer-upper, yeah. and uh, boy, I did really good. I'm already at like 100% equity uh, in this thing, so it's amazing. I mean, wow. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, you will have no problem uh, making that 25%, honest to God. The min interest rates go down with a six in front of it. The whole world is going to be over, grossly overpaying for housing again. There's not enough houses, and everybody wants them. Barbara, you talk about failure. Let me tell you this. I may be in a great situation here you know, now in the early 20s, but in 2006, 2007, I owned seven or eight homes. 
eight of them, and they all went to foreclosure and short sale. So I definitely have fallen and busted my teeth wow. on on the curb. So I know I know that feeling well. Uh, can you talk about failures and how it's helped you get to where you are? I wouldn't have gotten to where I was or even near it without the failure I had as a kid. I was a terrible kid in school. I was made fun of. I was told I was stupid. I never said anything. I just hid right through eighth grade until I got out of that jailhouse, which I consider a jailhouse at 3.15. I waited for the buzzer to go off every minute of the day. But you know what I learned? I learned empathy for losers. It made me a great leader, made me think outside the box because I daydreamed all day long. So by the time I got my job, I was a daydreamer, a professional daydreamer. I had all that practice time. And I knew how to get people on my side without good grades or without looking smart with my personality. I learned how to be a Gabby girl in the playtime and in the jobs I had, not at school. So I think failure is a wonderful background, really. For And I wouldn't recommend it for a child. It's kind of mean. But having failure in your background and the confidence to get by it that you're still standing on your feet gives you great confidence. The only reason I got good at everything I did in business is because I had so many failures. I started to learn not mostly how to get around something, but that I would get around it, that I would come back and I try harder than anybody else. I keep trying. And that gives you confidence. That's what gives kids confidence, in fact. I wish I had it in school, but I finally got it in business, thank God, early at 23. So many people, big fans of the show uh, Shark Tank, and I'm curious which shark would be your first hire of all the sharks, if you had to hire one on your team? Of course. Of course, Mark, but I'd be afraid he had me working for him, so I probably wouldn't hire him for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it would have to be Mark. I'd have to get my confidence up to hire the guy, and I have to keep promoting him and overpaying him. But I, he's a terrific businessman and very easy to work with. We think a lot alike. The only thing is I think in millions and he thinks in billions. <laughs> and that's a real difference. I know. You know I met Shaq once at a, at, a, at a show, and he actually came up and kissed my feet. That big man came through the aisle and came up and kissed my feet. I'll never forget it. Have you ever seen his feet? They're huge. Size 22. Like everything else, right? You know what they say about guys guys with big feet, Barbara? You know what they say about those guys, right? He can't possibly be. He can't possibly be that big all, all the way around. No way. Well, they, they, what they say about guys... What they say about guys with big feet is they wear big shoes. And he's a Reebok guy. And it's size 22s. He's coming on Shark Tank as a guest shark, by the way. That's what I heard. Yes. I hope it's true. He's an entrepreneur. We really need him on Shark Tank. Without Shaq, I wouldn't be where I am right now. When I went into business with Shaq, one of my biggest struggles and surprises was Shaq didn't give me any money. People think, oh, Shaq's worth $400 million. It should be nothing for him or nothing for a shark to give me $200,000 for 15% of my company. Yeah. But, but that's not the way the world works. I had to be prepared. I had to have passion. How much of uh, yeah. raising money for a startup is being prepared and having passion for the product? Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. 
And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Well, passion is a good place to start. And for raising money, it's a wonderful thing to have because it often takes the form of great salesmanship. You feel the passion. You want to be in the game with the person. You believe that they're going to make it. But I can also tell you passion is just a start because most people have passion when they meet their wife and they're really hot to trot. And after four years of having the same dinner and making the bills, the passion kind of wanes a bit. Okay. And the same thing with business. It won't get you to the finish line. Hard work gets you to the finish line. You have to believe in your dream, of course, but the passion gets you started. And then you think, whoa, what did I get involved in here? And then you got to put the hard work and get over the obstacles and all the objections and rejections along the way. And for that, you need backbone more than passion. And that comes into play. And you also have to have a vision and you have to be ambitious enough to get there. And not everybody's got that. It's a God-given gift and one that you mature as you get older if you're smart. What's on Barbara's Christmas list this year? Do you have something that you're asking your hubby for or what are you hoping is under the tree for you? I'm going to ask my husband specifically when I work for 12 hours and walk in that door that the first thing he doesn't say in the New Year's is, what's for dinner? Which drives <laughs> me nuts. Okay? That's what I'm asking him. And I'm asking my 29-year-old son, and I have two children, I'm asking him for a breakfast a month. Beautiful. That's what I want, a private breakfast with him so I see more of him. Well, I hope he's listening. Barbara, in your pocket, can you tell our listeners how they can engage with this new platform, Barbara, in your pocket. It's, it's a pa- Patreon, right? So, uh, yeah, Patreon, or you go on barbarainyourpocket.com. It's easy to remember, and you sign yourself up. <laughs> Barbara, thank you so much. Happy holidays. My pleasure, Gentry. Nice, nice chatting with you. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Incidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.